Hi guys, it's me, Lindsay Pinchuk, host and founder of the Dear Found Her podcast. And before we get into today's episode, I have some exciting news. Found Her Fridays, our live networking events for female founders are back for 2024. We kicked off in Chicago last week and virtually the week before. All of our participants made some incredible connections and told me that they have so many amazing new followers to engage with on Instagram from our event online and our one in person last week. We'll be expanding outside of Chicago this year. I honestly can't wait to share more. Our events will be free, but you'll have to RSVP. So make sure that you get on our list so that you can be the first to know when registration goes live. Space is limited. I can't wait to meet you. Now onto our show. I don't know about you, but I've seen burn boot camp locations all over the country. It seems like everywhere I go. And so, of course, I was curious. When Morgan Klein, co-founder and CEO of Burn Bootcamp landed in my inbox, I knew I needed to meet her. Little did I know when we first talked that this company started with a $600 investment in a parking lot and now boasts 85,000 members, 115 locations, and billings will be $210 million last year. This interview took place at the end of 2023. I love this story because it is one of grit, determination, and building as you go. In 2013, Morgan joined forces with her husband, Devin, and together built one of the nation's best fitness programs. Burn Boot Camp has not only given Morgan the platform to share her passion for healthy living, but it's also given her the confidence to achieve whatever she thought possible for herself. As a mother to three amazing children, Morgan can relate to a lot of women and moms out there that often put themselves last in order to make sure everyone around them is taken care of. Sound familiar? Having a place like Burn Boot Camp allows women to feel confident, empowered, motivated, and stronger than ever. I am really so excited for you to meet today's guest, so please come on in and meet Morgan Klein, co-founder and CEO of Burn Boot Camp. Dear Founder, I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk. At 30 years old, I founded my first company with just $500, building it to reach 3 million people and generate seven figures in revenue for six years straight, all before I sold it. A decade later, I exited with one goal, to support other women in business through their own entrepreneurship journeys. As an entrepreneur, you wear every hat. You burn the midnight oil, and most of all, you pour your heart and soul into everything you do. But there's no blueprint for success. Every week on Dear Founder, you'll get to sit in as I pick the brain of some of my closest female founder contacts. Save yourself time, money, and hassle listening to the lessons of those who have already done it. You'll also have the chance to hear about my own founder journey, how I built my first company, and now how I'm building my second, as I share solo episodes filled with actionable lessons and steps that you can apply to your business immediately. Make sure to subscribe now so that we can build our businesses together each and every week. Now, let's get into today's episode. Back to another episode of Dear Found Her. I am really excited about today's guest. We have not had someone in the fitness industry in quite some time, but Morgan Klein is here. She is the co-founder and CEO of Burn Bootcamp. And as I told her before we hopped on, I was pitched her and I was so excited to meet her. And then all of a sudden I started seeing Burn Bootcamp everywhere. So whoever is on your team, Morgan, is doing their job because right. you, are, you are everywhere. So welcome That's to Dear Found Her. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Of course. So let's get us started. I want you to share your story. Tell us what Burn Bootcamp is and how you founded it. Yeah. So Burn Bootcamp is a fitness franchise and we were founded in 2012 um, when it was just 
a parking lot concept. So uh, let me take you back a little bit before that. Uh, my husband, Devin, and I have known each other since sixth grade. Um, so we were high school sweethearts. He went and played baseball in college at Central Michigan. I went into food marketing at Western Michigan. I know you're from Michigan, so you probably are familiar with those two schools. Absolutely. Um, so we were rival schools, but obviously we were, you know, still together and dating. And that was our plan A's. You know, we were, I was going to work, you know, in corporate and get a food marketing degree. I had my eyes set on the Kellogg Company, which is headquartered right in Battle Creek, Michigan. Um, and then his plan A was to go play professional baseball. And so we both got opportunities that we wished for. He got drafted his junior year of college to play for the San Francisco Giants in their minor league. And I had an internship at Kellogg's, got a job before I even graduated and moved down to Naples, Florida <clears throat> to start my sales job down there, calling on grocery stores, selling Pop-Tarts and Frosted Flakes and Eggo Waffles. And um, so Devin played a couple of seasons in baseball and then he was released. So as you can imagine, you know, somebody from a young age wanting to have their lifelong dream be playing baseball, his dreams were crushed and he didn't really have a plan B. Um, so he kind of dabbled in a couple different things down in Naples and got into personal training. He's like, okay, I know personal training because I've been an athlete my whole life. So let's, let's go do this. So he gets a job at a big box gym and, you know, he's doing the one-on-one -on -one personal training and, you know, starts to be very successful in that. But in that job, you're trading your time for your money and you can't really, you know, you tap out at the number of clients that you can reach in a single day. So he started a boot camp from the big box gym. It was called Lightning 900 and it was inspired by a handful of things, but it was for women only. And so he quickly grew this uh, boot camp, Lightning 900, in Naples, Florida, right about the time that I applied for a position to be promoted in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, um, you know, that was exciting for me, but he was kind of at that, he thought was at that like top of his career of, you know, all these clients and this boot camp that was growing. So long story short, he spends a couple more months in Naples and then decides to move up to Charlotte. And at that time, he said, you know, I don't want to work for anybody. I don't want to work in a big box gym. There's things I didn't like about that, that environment. I want to create my own, you know, business, my own boot camp. I'm still at this time thinking, okay, you do that. I'm still going to focus on my corporate job because I grew up with that being the American dream, right? You get a job with this safe company, you get the benefits, you get the 401k, you would never leave something like that. So I'm just supporting him. I'm helping him on weekends, you know, mornings, nights, you know, doing whatever I can, but maintaining this full-time job. And, you know, at the time we were 23, 24 years old. So getting a landlord to even pick up the phone for two 24-year-olds with no like real business plan or, you know, money in the bank was next to impossible. So when I say we started in a parking lot, we truly started in a parking lot of a gymnastics studio. Uh, Devin had gone to different businesses and said, hey, you know, hey, listen, you're not using this space in the morning. Can I rent out this gymnastics studio from you? You make a couple hundred bucks a month. I get to train, the, you know, my boot camp members. And then in the evenings, I'll do it from the parking lot. And you know, as you can imagine, obviously moms and women are the ones coming to this gymnastic center to drop their kids off. And so we started in like that sub hybrid, uh, sublease hybrid model. And we 
were Charlotte's Fit Community of Moms. And a lot of that was because we knew we wanted to do something different than what everybody else was doing, which was co-ed or, you know, in a gym, in something that was, you know, using technology. And um, we wanted to create a space that was safe for the woman, because if we want to truly impact and, and have change on health and fitness, we believe that's through you know, the mom and through the woman in the house, in the household, they're the ones buying the groceries. They're the ones leading their kids. Um, they're the ones influencing their spouses or their partners. And so that is really why we doubled down initially on, on women and mothers. And so we also offered free child watch, uh, you know, into the, the gymnastics studio. So that one space turned into five other spaces in the Charlotte market. I quit my job at Kellogg's, which was a huge leap of faith for me. Like I said, that was the plan A. And um, we joined forces. And in you know 2013, I left. And we, like I said, we grew from one parking lot to five different parking lots to five brick and mortars. We flipped them. We finally had enough money and proof of concept where landlords did start picking up our phone call. Um, and so we were running five gyms and we thought that was great, you know, for us. And we were like, okay, we can do a couple more in the Charlotte market and we'll just, we'll just build out in the Charlotte market. And, uh, you know, we started getting approached with Burn Bootcamp has transformed my life. It's changed my life. I have confidence. I have this identity back. I want to go do that in other places. So the, the idea of franchising wasn't the initial dream for us. It was for us to just build our own, you know, network here in Charlotte. And so, when we started to get approached with those kind of questions of how do we join forces with you guys and and do this, we were like, now we need to look into franchising. So in 2015, we became a fitness franchise and we sold over 150 territories in our first 18 months. Um, so today, 2023, almost you know eight nine years later, we have over 350 open doors in 41 states um, with another 200 or so in development to open. So. It's pretty incredible what we've been able to do in the last 10 years um, with building this brand. And we've, we've been very, very fortunate to, you know, like I said, lock arms with people that share our mission, share our core values and want to impact their communities in a positive way, you know, through fitness. But our, our gym is, is more than a gym. It's truly community. It's, it's a place where women can come and feel valued, seen, loved, accepted, no matter where they're at in their fitness journey, you know, whether that's you just had a baby and you're coming back for the first time, or maybe you haven't worked out in 10 years, or maybe you are an ex-athlete and you're missing that camaraderie and that team environment and that challenging workout. So our workout is designed for all fitness levels. And, and we're, um, we train our trainers across the country to be able to modify and to mod up and mod down based on the needs of every single member. So first and foremost, congratulations. I mean, Thank it's you. really remarkable what you've built. And of course, I obviously have so many questions. But um, the first one is, when you quit your job, and, I, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm trying to do this chronologically, when you quit your job, that's a very big step that founders, mm -hmm. many founders have to take. And yeah. there's kind of this moment, you're like, like, should I, shouldn't I, like, what, like, yeah. What do I do? So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about like when was the right moment to do that and mm -hmm. how you felt in doing it? Yeah. 
Great question because it wasn't something that I decided overnight. You know, I was still working my 40 hour week job, but I had also gone and got my personal training certification. I started to train in the mornings, in the nights, on Saturdays. So it was a side hustle for me for, for about eight to 10 months because I was still like, I'm not going to leave this safe job. But then for me, it was, I was getting pulled and pulled into this fulfillment of what I was doing on the side hustle that I no longer was getting in my everyday job. And I'm a big believer of definitely taking risks on yourself, but I'm also a believer of doing it with a plan. So I started to save up the money that I that I knew I wanted to have as like a safety net to say, hey, if things go wrong on me leaving my job and betting on myself and betting on Devin, I want a, a little bit of a safety net of what I, what can I go back to? So I always believe that, you know, Jumping and building the plane is great, but you also need to to do it, you know, with with some thoughts and logic behind it. So stepping away from my job was a huge deal. The biggest thing that I had to overcome was what my my family was going to think and what other people were going to think, because I had the belief, but I still had some doubt of like, are they going to be disappointed that I went and got this college degree, went and got this really great job? And now I'm kind of abandoning that and doing this over here. Um, thankfully, I was welcomed, you know, and, and supported by all of my family. And but again, that was what I had to overcome, you know, in myself was just how much I cared about what other people thought. Um, and then once I once I did it, it was a very freeing feeling, you know, to be able to design my life and to be able to do things that truly fulfill me. And ever since that day, work has never felt like work. It's it, it just hasn't. It's been a part of my life. It's been how I've integrated my my life with my children. Um, you know, burn is the legacy that I'm building. And whether you are are you know building your own brand or you're working for a brand, like what you do every single day is just building legacy. And so make sure you're doing it in alignment with how you want to leave the earth. And that's just something that I feel very lucky to have burned to carry on my name. We're going to talk about legacy in a little bit, but before we do, I, one of the things that I love about your story is the fact that you, well, you and your husband, you really utilized creative resources. Mm -hmm. And I think that I love hearing stories when founders are like, well, yes, I like knocked on a door and asked to use their garage or whatever it was. And for you, it was these parking lots. And so I would love for you to kind of explore and talk about the, like what that opportunity was and why it's so important for founders to really kind of look at what is right in front of them. Because I always tell people in, when I'm coaching them, when I'm teaching them, look at what is right in front of you mm-hmm. because that's where your biggest opportunities are. It's not like some formula or like, you know, it's not rocket science. It's literally what's right there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the small habits that you do every single day. That's going to get to get to the goal that you have, whether that's business or that's fitness, like nothing's going to happen overnight. And I think that that's sometimes the perception of successful people is, oh, they just, they got lucky or, you know, they're this overnight success or, you know, well, they have all those resources and that's why they're successful. And I can tell you just based on my own experience that we we didn't. We started Burn Butte Camp with $600 and that was just in fitness equipment. 
And so when you talk about what's right in front of you, it's like, what can you do every single day that's going to get you closer and closer to your goal? And for us, that was leaning into our community and doing things in the community and getting out and actually belly to belly talking to people, talking to businesses, you know, and Devin and I did all of it. We didn't have the resources to hire people the way that we do today. So I have almost worked on in every role of the company all the way up to CEO, right? I've I, I've been the marketer. I've been the one that runs payroll. I've been the janitor of my gym. I've been the trainer. I've been the burn ambassador. I've been the operations manager. So for me, n- not everybody needs to do that. But when when you don't have the resources, you have to get resourceful. You've got to be willing to wake up every single day and be like, what do I not know that I need to learn today? And then what is in my control that I can go out and do to move move this brand forward or move this business forward one more step towards my goal? You talked a little bit about marketing and resources and, you know, I, that's, that brings me to my next question, which is how did you originally get clients and how do you get clients now? I mean, what is, what does that look like? Yeah. So in the beginning, I'll say that Facebook and Instagram weren't how they are today. Digital marketing was completely different. So it was more about the email list. So Devin is actually the marketer of the two of us. I'm so operationally focused and he is very much a visionary and a marketer. Uh, so his mission every single day was to, to make sure he did not go to bed without 10 new email contacts because it was all about the email list. But we also were very big on community events. So every weekend you saw us hopping up a booth outside of the grocery store or going to a health expo or flyering cars in the Target parking lot. Um, he also emailed every single news outlet to try to get on a morning show or to try to have a 30 second segment on a local news, you know, uh, show. So it's just, it was a lot of guerrilla marketing in the beginning because number one, we didn't have a lot of money to spend from the digital space aspect. And it wasn't as big as it is today, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. Um, so it was very much a, a guerrilla marketing strategy. Now we still encourage that with our franchise partners when they're entering new markets or when they're in markets, there's a spend that always needs to stay digital, um, for top of the funnel just to get that attention. But then the best leads and the warmest leads come from the people that you're out talking to, right? So how do you get into schools? How do you get into, you know, hospitals? How do you get into, community centers? How do you get your name out there where people actually see a face to the name to the name and to the business? Because franchising, although it's a national brand, it's a small business. You know, these franchisees are small business owners that are part of their communities. And so the best way that you can, you know, know get people to know, like, and trust you is to actually be out there with your team, um, adding value for, for no exchange of money. That's a big thing that helped us grow is we gave away so much content for free YouTube channels. You know, we'd go do things with no money in return because there's always goodwill that comes back of doing all of these things that don't necessarily have a dollar ROI. You just heard Morgan Klein, founder of Burn Bootcamp, talk about all of the amazing guerrilla marketing tactics she and her husband used when starting their company. Did you know that I started my first company, Bump Club and Beyond, upon the foundation of partnerships and grassroots strategies? So I've put together a free list of 30 ideas for simple partnerships that you can apply to your own business starting today. If you want them, just grab them. Simply do so through the link in the show notes. They're yours. And now back to the show. 
So I'm smiling and I'm saying this because for those of you who are listening to this episode and not watching it on YouTube, if you've been around here a while, you know what I'm about to say. But if you haven't, this is how I built Bump Club. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is exactly how I built Bump Club was by trade partnerships and community events and email lists. And it's so funny when you say email list, when I sold my company, that was the number one asset I sold. Yep. I yep. mean, we had 150,000 plus emails that yeah. went, right, went with the sale. And that was much more valuable than our Facebook, which mm-hmm. also was 150,000, but we didn't mm-hmm. own that, right. you know? right. So you talked about community events and you talked about partnerships in the community, but how have you leveraged your community? Because I would imagine that word of mouth is plays a really big role in growing your business, especially yeah. in the category that you're in. Yeah. And you have a business where like Bump Club, like community is just a natural part of coming mm-hmm. to a gym and working out. Yeah. Well, you know, if you think about really my business now, which is franchising. Right. And we're going to talk about that in a second. 80% of our franchise partners, our franchisees come from within my system, right? So they were a member first, or they interacted with this brand in a way that moved them to say, I want to own one of these. So that's, that says a lot about the the strength in our culture and our community. Uh, So for me to get leads from a franchising perspective, a lot of it comes from within. It starts at the, how are we treating them when they walk into the door be- to, to become a member? We call it our blue carpet experience. So from end to end, the minute they walk into, um, actually the minute they pull into the driveway or into the parking lot to the time they leave, what does that experience look like? How are they feeling valued? Like I told you, how are they feeling seen? How, what are the little touch points that they're not getting anywhere else or in, at any other business? that they may experience in that day. And so for us, it's always about the experience and how we're building community within the gym, but also outside of the gym. So we're encouraging all of our gyms to, you know, host events that aren't about just working out, it's just about networking, getting together, supporting one another, getting to know not just your your member, but your member's kids and your member's spouse and your member's, you know, partner and things like that. Um, I think I mentioned we have free child watch. So that is something that has been a big differentiator for us in the market. If you stack us up to other boutique fitness franchises, um, you know, we spend the the money on that square footage because again, who we want to serve and who we've served since day one, we're very authentic to who we are and who we want to serve. And it started with women and moms and it, and it has evolved to that. So now I'm seeing families, come and work out. Husbands and wife reconnecting over fitness. Um, So I don't know if I answered your question there, but I would would say that it's all about building the people that you have the attention of. It's about building more value into their lives and making them feel like they're part of something. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast. As I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast, Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. 
Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. So we've talked about the you building the foundation of Burn and how that's kind of played out, but what was the moment, that, and when was the moment and what happened that you were like, we're going to franchise this instead of opening up our own locations? Yeah, I honestly, I I will say it was enough people coming up to Devin and I and asking us the same question of how can we do this? So originally we started, we, we licensed it to two people. Licensing is, is different than franchising, but similar as well. So we did license it to two people here in the local market. And, but again, then once we got, more and more people asking us, we started consulting with some other, you know, some people that have been in franchising and we're like, okay, this is the way we want to go. So then from that point, it took us about eight to 10 months to build our documents, you know, build our FDD, put the operational processes together, um, and then finally become a franchise. What would be like three pieces of advice that you would give to someone who wants to scale their business through franchising? Um, get very, very clear about your core values, your mission, and who you want to partner with. So that's number one is because here's the thing in franchising and anytime you're scaling your business, you are scaling yourself ultimately. Um, so you can say yes to anyone that's willing to write you a check and say, yeah, I'll do it. I'll be a part of your business. Here's, you know, here's my money. Here you go. We could have grown a lot quicker, but you have to stay disciplined to who you actually want to partner with because they are representing your brand. And if it goes bad and you don't and you have misalignment of core values and misalignment of of the mission and the and the impact, then you're in this marriage for five or ten years. Franchising is typically a five, seven, or ten year term. Ours happens to be five years. So I would just say number one is the discipline and the clarity of who you are and what you want this brand to stand for and what you want the culture to look like. Because we all know we've probably all worked with people or we've had people in our life that if they're negative and they're toxic, that stuff spreads way quicker, unfortunately, than positivity and um, optimism. So I feel like that's my one, two, and three advice because that's ultimately when, when you can join forces with people that have a like mind and a like heart, then you're going to be able to grow quicker and quicker and quicker because these people care about the right things. I mean, number two is definitely process and infrastructure. But again, if you're if you've got the right process and the right infrastructure, but the wrong people, it doesn't matter how good your processes are. You're not going to be able to scale your brand and, and what the brand means to other people the way that you want it to because they're they're out there in markets that represent you and and the brand right i'm not in highland park every day so i don't see what's happening so although i have processes and infrastructure set up 
But if I know that the right person is leading it, then I feel a lot better about how it's being represented. What's been the biggest hurdle you've had to overcome since making the decision to franchise? Oh, I feel like if you ask any business owner, they're going to say 2020. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I wasn't necessarily going to ask about COVID because yeah. like who wants to talk about COVID anymore? But I'm, I, and I think that like, that's well, how did you come out of that? Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you, I mean, I, yeah. I think it's worth touching upon. I would love to share that part of the story. You know, we had to close at that time. It was about 260 doors that we had open. So like all other businesses overnight, you have your entire business closed and thank thank God we have always been marketers. So we built a studio. We have a, we have a building that actually has a studio where we would do all of our content. I think I shared, you know, YouTube was a big deal to us. So we had a studio that actually looked a little bit like a gym and it had our logo on it and we had studio equipment. And so we were able to actually turn around the very next day and stream all of our workouts to all of our members at that time. I want to say it was around 85,000 members. Oh my God. Uh, and so that, that was a huge thing that saved us during the pandemic. And, um, then when we had the stay at home order, my husband and I have a, a gym ab- above our garage and we basically brought it home and we live streamed. I was pregnant. I was pregnant with my third son. I was probably about six months pregnant at this time. Him and I are live streaming to, you know, thousands of people at 9am every day we would do anything we could to retain our members and help our franchise partners retain their members. And so we did that at a national level. They did that at local levels through Zoom links and things like that. Um, and we retained 70% of our memberships. That's amazing. So that was huge. We were actually one of the only fitness companies that grew during the pandemic because, again, we were all about how are we adding value? You know, So instead of saying, we're going to pause your membership and like, good luck. Bye. We were like, no, like let's stay together. Like let's, cause what we're going to have to do, like we're going to need each other, right? We're all isolated into our own homes. Let's still allow our people to have this 45 minutes where they can, you know, get out of what's happening in the world and just tone into what is going on with themselves and get their 45 minutes and get those endorphins running and have their neighbors, you know, high five in them, things like that. So um, I think that change, right, or just that decision to do whatever it took to keep our people me- moving during the pandemic has has helped us. And it actually now we we have an app that has an on-demand program, and that really accelerated it for us. We knew that what we learned during the pandemic is brick and mortar. You also need to have a digital presence, and and try not to always only have one, have a hybrid of both because you know the world is different now. We 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 have never gone back to what it was like pre 2020, March, 2020. It's like, it's now this hybrid model where we got to meet people where they're at, whether that's in their home, whether that's in the office or whether that's in the gym. So, um, that's been really cool for us to just take a really hard time and catapult it to the next level of our, our business. Did your franchise owners, did they kind of go back to the basics of what you and Devin did in the beginning Mm -hmm. and like go to parking lots and parks and like, Was that part of what they did? They did. They were, we were in parking lots. We were wherever the county would allow us to go basically. Cause that's the thing in franchising. Every county was different. They treated COVID differently. Every state had different rules. 
So we were constantly scrambling to try to understand what our people could and could not do. But we had people going into parking lots and doing drive-by baby showers for their members, or we were delivering our supplements to them, to their doorstep or their retail gear. Because we we have a, in addition to our memberships, we also sell activewear and we sell supplements. So our franchise partners were saying, what, what do you guys need? We'll make sure that we're dropping it off to you. We won't see each other. We'll stand six feet apart. Um, and we had squares when we came back, you know, all the things we, we didn't, we didn't let COVID let us say, oh, we, we got to pack it up and say goodbye. We said, no, what can we do to, to still reach our members? So you told me at the beginning, you started this business with $600 and have you ever, have you ever taken investment money? No. And you have, you just mentioned 85,000 members. I don't know if you are. We're at 115 now. Okay. Today as we speak. Where are you at a revenue standpoint? What can you say about your growth? I don't know how public you are with those numbers, but I would like to share where you've gone from $600. Yeah. So our system will generate about $210 million by the end of this year. Um, And that's just this year. Um, and then we obviously take royalties on that. So our royalty is a six and two split. And so I'll let you guys do the math there, but, um, it's grown, you know, exponentially. Obviously we had a little bit of a dip or a flat year and, you know, during 2020, but yeah, 210 million will be just the, what the brand is generating. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, did you ever think when you were standing in these parking lots that this would be where you were? No. It really wasn't. I I gotta say I um I'm someone who doesn't always think of the big picture or the big dreamer. I I think it's because I have a a partner that is such a visionary, like on every level. And so I think that like I kind of let him guide me of like where are we going. And I always think it's like this crazy idea. And you know, then I'm the one that's kind of operationalizing it. And I'm sitting in the day to day of like, okay, what do we need to do to make it work? Um, so no, back in the parking lot days, like I said, our dream was to just have a couple gyms and that would be amazing. And so I think for us, it, it has also kept us humble because we didn't come from anything. And at this point, it's not about the money. Like, yes, I just shared the money, but for us, it's about impact, you know, and, and it's about legacy. And, and I know we might be chatting about that a little bit more, but, um, I believe, you know, we've been given this opportunity to go pass it into other people and, and allow the opportunity to, to move beyond me and my family. And um, how many more people can we impact is the name of the game for us, not necessarily how much more money can we make. I do want to ask you about legacy. You said you have three children mm-hmm. and you have built an incredible brand that is not just very, it's very clear that that it is not just about the money. And I would like for you to share with us what the legacy is that you want to leave for them. Yeah. So my three kids, uh, seven, five and three. So I have a daughter and then I have two sons. And so when I think about my daughter, Cameron, you know, this is a fitness industry that we are in. And I've had my own journey of feeling, not worthy, feeling like I didn't love my body, you know, having a lot of shame around how my body looked. And I know I'm not alone in that. So part of my legacy is how do I not just instill the self-love in my daughter, but in, in 
in every woman and, and daughter out there and men too. Like I, I know that boys and men can also struggle with this, but growing up, I felt like I was surrounded by, you know, what you needed to look like, right? Six packs and toned arms and all of those things. And when I stepped into the fitness industry as a personal trainer, I, I went to an extreme to try to look that way, like so bad, you know, I, I, under a, I over-exercised. My mental state was terrible. And now I've had three pregnancies and my body looks different than it ever has. But like, how have I learned to love myself through all of these different things and what my body has given me? And that's the message that I try to send. If you look at my social media, I share all, I shared my body and my journey through all of it and vulnerability through all of it. And just, so part of my legacy is how do we change the narrative for people that have, you know, struggled with loving themselves for how they look? Um, but then, of course, there's a legacy of just impacting families and impacting uh, somebody in a positive way and teaching my children that they that we are going to work hard to serve other people. And in return, we're going to get things back. Right. But it's all about how do we build platforms and how do we um, take these opportunities and and put them to good use and just make pe- people better and make the world better. I love that. Mm-hmm. So my last question is what I ask everyone at the end, and that is what are three actionable steps that you would tell a female founder who's just getting started? Mm-hmm. I would say, number one, focus on just your journey. So what I mean by that is stop comparing yourself to what you're seeing on social media. Certainly take inspiration from social media or other people that are in your, you know, headspace and in, in, in your access. Learn from them and be inspired by them, but do not compare your journey to other people. So set your pace and set your goals, um, but but do not compare because that can be the enemy of all of this and steal all the joy that you're really out there to do it for. Um, Number two, I would say get really clear on who you are and how you want to build what you have. And I've shared that a little bit already, but authenticity is one of my core values. And it's one of the company's core values because I think we think we need to be someone we're not at times when we're founders or CEOs or owners of a business, or we're in a fitness franchise or whatever it is to you but really just be who you are and that's going to attract the right people. And when you're not who you are, you're going to end up attracting the wrong people and that's going to come and bite you in the butt later on in life. So just be really clear of why you're doing this, who you're doing it for and who you want to be when this is all said and done. Uh, Number three, I would say, well, I would, I want to kind of give this advice to someone if they are also maybe they have kids or they're mothers. And so I think mom guilt is the biggest question I'm always asked about, or how do I balance it all? And so my advice to anyone that's, you know, looking to found a company and you are also, you know, building a a house or a home with children is start to integrate it, start to show your kids what you're doing and why you're making certain sacrifices and show them how it's impacting other people and make them a part of your career as much as you can, because otherwise they just won't understand. And the lessons that you're trying to teach your kids um, will likely be harder to really come through because 
there's too much of a separation. So I'm a big believer of integrating your work with your home and also, you know, having boundaries. But um, mom guilt comes in when we think we have to be everything to everybody. And so just setting your priorities, but also making sure that you're integrating and knowing that when you're not with your kids, you're still making a really, really great impression on them because they're watching everything you're doing, whether you're there physically or you're not, but you got to share what you're doing when you're not with them. So they actually know and can, um, can learn from you. Morgan Klein, co-founder and CEO of Burn Bootcamp. Thank you so much for sharing your story and all of your Mm -hmm. knowledge and wisdom with us. This has been such an amazing conversation and I cannot wait to share it with our community. Thank you so much for having me. So in case you missed it, we'll be closing out each episode of 2024 with our number one takeaway from our conversation. Morgan Klein had so many, but my number one takeaway from today is that you can't let money be your guiding force. When you love what you do and you're passionate about what you do, the money will come. And it certainly did with Burn Bootcamp. Thank you to Morgan for being here today. And thank you to all of you for joining our conversation. We have been getting so much love for season three and especially for our episode with Adriana Kerrig from Little Words Project, our 200th episode. One of our listeners, Jay Rivel, said, your conversation was fantastic. So easy, productive and inspiring. Loved it. An extra love that I just discovered the Little Words Project a couple weeks ago and have been obsessing about my new bracelets. I love knowing the origin. So if you like today's conversation, I would love it if you left a five-star rating and a review so that others can find this episode and Dear Found Her. All you have to do is go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash Dear Found Her or click the link in the show notes to leave a review wherever it is that you listen. If you know someone who we should meet, send them our Meet a Founder link in our show notes. We'll introduce them to our community on our social media and on our website later this year. But for now, I want to thank you for listening and thank you for being here. Have a great rest of the week and we will see you on Tuesday. Tuesday.